Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Sharkpreneur Podcast with Kevin Harrington and Seth Green. Kevin Harrington is the inventor of the infomercial, one of the original sharks from the hit TV show Shark Tank, and has generated over $5 billion in TV and digital direct response sales. Seth Green is the world's first trusted authority on cutting-edge direct response marketing, a best-selling author, and the only three-time Marketer of the Year nominee. On the podcast, Kevin and Seth interview sharkpreneurs who share straight talk on what it takes to explode your business. Why do so many businesses struggle while others seem to explode overnight? Do you wish you had the secret to this type of exponential growth? Now, I've scaled more than 20 businesses to over $100 million, and it's not just luck. In my new book with Mark Tim, Mentor to Millions, you'll learn the repeatable framework I use in all my business ventures for massive success. Order at KevinMentor.com and get over $1,000 in bonuses. Head to KevinMentor.com. This is your host, Seth Green. Today, I've got the good fortune to be interviewing Dan Cates, known as Jungleman at the poker table. He's gone from working at McDonald's with no friends and a dead-end future to winning over $11 million in online poker, over $7 million in live tournaments, and is a World Series of Poker champion. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. It is our pleasure. So let's go back in time a little bit. What inspired you to start playing poker in the first place? You know, uh, it all really began with the desire to be free because... You know, as a young kid, I definitely was very stupid and made all sorts of unbelievably retarded decisions. But I had heard countless people whining about having nine to five jobs. And I was aware of this problem. And I did not want this. I did not want to have a nine to five job where I was forced to do stuff. And I had the experience of doing it. Like I had had jobs before even McDonald's where I was an intern And I hated it. And I was sitting there doing nothing. It was so boring. I couldn't wait to get out. And McDonald's was even worse. McDonald's was brutal. I was even sitting there thinking, man, people do this and school is like super intense. Um, And so I was really good at games and I liked games. Uh, And I, over, over my childhood, I had learned that if I try very hard at games and I keep trying, I can do things that I, never thought I could do and I'll eventually become good at them. And I even beat my friends and did things that really were quite impressive, at least for my age. Like I got a scores in Minesweeper that could be, you know, internationally like quite comp, like somewhat competitive, like not better than that. And I, you know, I had like the best score in the world at a cu- couple games, such as Bubble Trouble specifically and so along came poker. Guess what? It's a game and you can play it for money. So I figured if I got good at this game, I could be free. And that's kind of how it started. I got my ass totally kicked for a while. 
Uh, in fact, for a few months, I really got destroyed. I made, I lost like $2,000, $3,000 in a few months. And it actually took me nine months to get back to zero. I made $0 in nine months. So, I mean, we could talk the whole time just about your, but just about that journey. What, what, when you were losing in the beginning, getting your poker education, um, what kept you going? How I mean, so many people having accumulated even what would have been a sizable loss to you, the age you were at the time, like they would have quit. Why didn't you quit? I didn't quit because I was just really determined to win. I, I just every time I had worked hard at these games, I at these kinds of games in the past, I ended up winning. And it really was just that. It really just the prior experience of succeeding in previous sort of situations where I was frustrated and I kept trying and I kept fucking trying. And eventually I succeeded. Uh, that really was the core basis of it. And I was fortunate to have that experience in this case because it did work out in poker. Um, I thought that was quite a good lesson in life that I learned from games specifically was that if you persevere, you can do things that you thought were impossible and that I think I still think is true I, it's a very it's a tough lesson to experience emotionally um but it's it's worth it, it I mean it's it's a very valuable one let's put it that way and uh, I mean you can say there's a lot of logic to those games too it's quite good at logic and math and all this stuff I was I did grades so I had a lot of like reasons to be competent other than the fact that I was failing let's put it that way Yes, the learning curve. Now, one, one more question about that part of your journey. I mean, if you look at a game like Minesweeper or Bubble Trouble, there's logic and math. You're absolutely right. Maybe in some cases, some hand-eye coordination in some places. However, there wasn't, as far as I know, the element of psychologically competing against someone sitting across from you where there's money involved. So talk a little bit about bridging that gap from... I can figure out where the bombs are to I learn how to read people, not only calculate the odds, but read people and manipulate my opponent psychologically. Okay, so a couple things. Firstly, there's a structure of the game of poker and there's various strategies that poker eventually falls into that are somewhat feasible. Um, this is also, by the way, the case with fighting and other kinds of things. It's just, mm, you have to sort of understand, you have to sort of understand the way the game works. Uh, and just this, I mean, this is sort of similar in a way of, I mean, with, other, with all games, there's some kind of, there's some kind of medium to uh, execute your strategy, let's put it that way, in a way that, it makes the most sense logically. So there's that. And as far as with people, how it goes, as it, I would just say it like this, people fall into, most people actually, I would say, most people fall into the same categories, of course. So if we're talking about strictly exploiting certain people, I would just bucket them all in like one particular category. And then beyond that, uh, you know, there are various like things, there are various ways that people uh, are different, not too much within those categories. But then obviously there's like, you know, some 20% of people that don't really fall into that main category and you treat them differently. 
but uh, on the whole, you basically, as it turns out, people are actually quite predictable in poker anyway. In life, I would say they're pretty predictable too, but the, life's a lot more complicated. Um, and I wouldn't say that I'm a master of predicting in life, um, but I suspect, you know, it's kind of the same sorts of patterns at work in some way. And yeah, it's just in poker, basically, people do the same thing a lot. Most of the people do the same thing a lot in a lot of different, in, in these certain situations. Um, you can't predict all of them totally because some situations are really infrequent. And yeah, I would just basically say you, you put people in kind of rough categories and you gather more information and you say, oh, well, that's a bit of a surprise. And so I'm going to like, maybe move them over to the 20% that does all the weird stuff. And then say within that 20%, there's 5% that do these really advanced bluffs that no one does. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, that kind of thing. Now, when you, it took you nine months to get out of the hole you dug for yourself, um, when did you realize that every, this was going to become your profession and a substantial endeavor for you? Well, by the time I was 19, I had somehow built up my role to $100,000. So that was pretty cool. By yeah, the time I don't know I was, too many 19-year-olds with that much money. And by the time I was 20, I, at least at one point, had built it up to a million dollars. So by that point, I was looking pretty confident that this was going to be the thing. And then by the time, and but I had it in my head that I was going to finish college. And then by the time I was, um, no, maybe, wait a second. Yeah, it must have been uh, the next year before I was 21, I had at some point amassed uh, $5 million and essentially uh, was failing out of school uh well i wouldn't put it like that but i had to take a, a class a third time in order to graduate and ironically that class was game theory of all the oh classes. my god that's awesome <laughs> uh so yeah i decided you know what no more school i had the option of choosing between writing book reports and taking this this class a third time and then extending another year um or like traveling the world and playing poker and you know i was already making millions so uh i guess bye <laughs> it wasn't really didn't seem to make too much sense Un understood obviously you probably you made the right choice so what have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned playing poker at that high a level uh, a big one actually was not to underestimate people. The, the thing I said about bucketing people, that applies to players on the whole when they're not trying particularly hard, but when they are trying particularly hard and are able to change the way that they do things, then people can really come up with some surprises. Um, yeah, I've seen a lot of very unusual just things that you wouldn't expect once people are applying themselves. Mm, that's one. I mean, I've learned lessons off the table as well. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to, I'm trying to think what I've learned specifically at the table. 
Th uh, what about things you've picked up from some of the interesting characters you've had the fortune to play against? Let's see. In what sense? Just what do you do? What do you learn, or what are you able to? What distinctions are you able to make from playing against other top competitors? So it'd be lesson. You would learn something different playing against, say, a Phil Ivy or if you Phil Helmuth than you would playing against Joe Schmo from Idaho who put his $10,000 life savings down to play in the World Series and you happen to end up at the, uh, and he happens to end up at a table with you. Uh, there's a couple things that come to mind, uh, especially Ivy in particular, was quite good at the bucketing sort of thing that I was talking about because online players would do very specific things psychologically that, uh, that, that like live players wouldn't do or unaware players wouldn't do. You'd be aware of like how aware people are and if people are giving off tells in an aware kind of way, because that's quite important. If someone's aware of their tell or not aware of their tell, aware of whatever they're doing, it makes quite a big difference. So there's that. Um, a big thing really was something like equanimity or at least um, being at the table or in front of people, and this I learned over time and partly actually through higher stakes is to be more of like an entertaining presence. So not necessarily entertaining, but pleasant presence because there's, there's a bit of difference there. Um, yeah, I think that's quite important on uh, at, at high stakes is to make sure that you come across well and you learn this by playing high stakes, partly because the people that want to play, the people that end up playing in them at the high stakes and that end up playing in private games, that kind of thing, have to generally be, this isn't always true as it turns out, generally be pleasant to play against and good to play against. As it turns out, the players at lower stakes are, op are often much more obnoxious, I've found, and... Yeah, there's a few reasons why. I, I, I've encountered that certainly nowhere close to your level, but the people I'm like, why would you do that? Well, I just wanted to play. I'm like, that that's yeah. not how it's supposed to that. work. Um, yeah, that's really stupid to say. So talk about the difference that you've started to allude to. Talk about the difference between people who play online versus people who play in real life and how that plays out of the table when you take someone, say, from online who tries to play in person. So the people who play online tend to do things with a much more strict game theory perspective going in. And yeah, I mean, that's really the biggest difference. Whereas live players haven't necessarily studied that. It's actually comical that many live pros just take took forever to get onto this. And they would factor in things like psychology and tells quite a bit more but as it as it turns out you just can't fade the math like um if a online player comes in and doesn't give off too many tells and is disciplined enough to make the right decision they will win but as it turns out a lot of them come on and i, I actually did this myself a lot of them come from online and first of all they aren't very disciplined and play quite loosely and get a little cocky uh which I was I wasn't exactly cocky, but I was over I, I played too many hands, that kind of stuff. It translates into being cocky, if that makes sense. Your behavior is cocky, even though yeah. you're not acting like a cocky person. 
in terms of mannerisms, etc. So there's that. And if they, you know, they can give off tells too. That's that's a thing. It's not that easy to not do. Uh, and you know, it's pretty easy. For, a lot of online players came and did that. And you know, if you give off a tell in a big pot, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, if you give it off a third of a time and someone picks up on it, on it it's kind of a big deal, but it's hard to verify that it's actually happening. So those are the biggest things. Um, yeah, I've seen live players get theory really wildly wrong, even high six players. So yeah, the, the one, the real thing that I, I learned is, I mean, it's kind of the case is if, it, if, it, if it's applied correctly, you can't fade the map. There's no, there's no, it's not too much you can do. You can, there's a little bit of magic, but you got to respect the math. Absolutely. You are launching your own podcast that is about more than just poker. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So I'm launching my own podcast. Uh, poker's a game, and poker has many similarities to life. You learn many important things in poker that can apply to life, such as perseverance, humility, um, thinking about the big picture. Uh, one thing that's kind of subtle is like the, the idea of having this competitive game, this, this less than zero sum game actually, well, or zero sum game in the context of a greater than zero sum game, which is, or what could be, a greater than zero sum game, I should say, which is life. You could say that life could be a greater than zero sum game. That's actually how capitalism works, by the way, um, is that it, well, capitalism is a zero sum game and it ends up working in the context of a greater than zero sum game. The, the competitiveness actually works in a way that creates a positive experience for everyone. Uh, poker isn't necessarily that, but it can be. And yeah, so all these things apply to life. So there's that. We talk about poker. We talk about um, what uh, what the advantages of playing poker are and like how people became successful. And we also talk about how can we make life, uh, what are like, hmm, yeah, we also talk about basically really just how to make life a game that we can all win. If, if it is, I believe it is. And uh, yeah, pretty much these kinds of topics is what we discuss. Awesome. Well, we will make sure everyone go check it. We'll put a link. Go check out Winning the Game of Life with Daniel Cates. Daniel, we greatly appreciate your time. We know it's incredibly valuable. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing some of it with us. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having me. Thanks everybody for watching or listening and we will talk to you or see you next time. Do you need money to fund your idea, product or service? Are you ready to take your business to the next level but need capital to get it done? Kevin Harrington has heard more than 50,000 pitches and knows how to help you make the perfect pitch to get the funding for your entrepreneurial dream. He's distilled the process down in his perfect pitch cheat sheet and it's yours for free. Just text PITCH to him right now at 727-888-2100. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 right now and claim your free Perfect Pitch Cheat Sheet. Text PITCH to 727-888-2100 to start funding your dream today. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. 
To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.